It's Friday evening, it's five o'clock, and that can only mean one thing. That's right, it is Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Rafferty, and the show's is always kindly sponsored by Best Drive. We'd like to thank them all for their uh, their kind sponsorship of the show. And uh, yeah, there's many ways that you can listen to the show. You can listen to it on the radio on FM 94.6, on the website www.rossfm.ie forward slash live, or on the TuneIn app. And of course, as always, we'd like to uh, hear your opinion. So if you have anything uh, you'd like to mention on the show, or if you have any views or predictions, or indeed if you want to say anything about tomorrow's FA Cup final, myself and Mark and we'll be discussing that in a few minutes' time. You can send a text or a WhatsApp message to 083-8599-748. That's 083-8599-748, and we'll be delighted to read it out. And I'd like to thank Joe Brambrick for another great show uh, there before uh, there before, uh, the, before Friday Sport. And, of course, uh, um, Louise for another great uh, Echoes of Aaron show, and it was lovely to talk to her there afterwards. So, I'd like to say a big hello to uh, Louise there. So, uh, yeah, I hope everyone is enjoying the uh, the sunshine. And uh, don't forget, um, every Thursday and Friday, every Thursday, there is GA View with myself, Aidan Raftery, and all the best views. And also on Friday, um, there is a Friday Sport and of course if you don't get to listen to the show don't worry it's uh, podcasted and available Friday Sport is available uh, podcasted on rossfm.ie and Mixcloud and also uh, GA Sports available on um, on Spotify and uh, don't forget there's, to tune in there's a, a lot of there's something for everyone so why not tune in every day Monday to Friday from 9 o'clock right through until 7 so we'll start off the show unfortunately folks at bad news it's the last Premier League chat of the season Martin is inconsolable here in the studio uh, so we'll be looking back at, at the uh, results from last week but no no uh, predictions, which is probably lucky for me, as Martin said off air there. And uh, yeah, so we'll be and we'll be uh, no doubt looking ahead to the FA Cup final of uh, Manchester Derby. That's going to be very interesting. I think it's the first ever uh, Manchester Derby, isn't it, Martin? Manchester Derby in, in an FA Cup final. In an FA Cup final. That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start off as usual with the Women's Super League, uh, the final weekend of the results. From last Saturday, Arsenal nil, Aston Villa 2, Brighton nil, Leicester 1, Liverpool nil, Manchester United 1, Man City 3, Everton 2, Reading nil, Chelsea 3. So that confirmed uh, Chelsea are the Women's Super League champions again. Uh, I think that's the third time running, or fourth, can't, 100%, 100% sure. Uh, unfortunately, Reading relegated, and the other score was West Ham 2, uh, Tottenham 2, and as I said, Chelsea finished top by two points. Man United gave them a good run, only two points behind. Arsenal ended up third, Man City fourth, and Aston Villa fifth, and Reading, as I said, relegated um, right at the bottom there, uh, only on 11 points compared to Brighton above them on 16. And Bristol City won the championship, so they will be playing in the Women's Super League next season, so maybe that's... uh, uh, fair justice because they, uh, they they came second last year so they were close uh, playoff final Saturday last Saturday 27th of May probably two teams that not many people expected to be in uh, possible uh, contention for the premiership and it finished Luton Town 1 Coventry City 1 after full time and extra time 
and Luton winning 6-5 on penalties. Uh, Luton Town completed their journey from the non-league to the Premier League as they beat Coventry City, as I said, 6-5. Hammer equalised for Coventry to cancel out the first-half strike from Clark as the game finished uh, 1-0 after 120 minutes in that heat. Both goals came after Luton lost their captain, which was a bit of a shocker when you consider it in the uh, the playoff final. Uh, Tom Lockyer early on uh, when he collapsed on the pitch so, of course, fans feared the worst, uh, but uh, he recovered. He was taken to hospital, and he was responsive and talking. So that's the good news. I'm not really sure what exactly happened there. Um, my nephews were at the game as well, so there was a long delay, I think, of 10 minutes. Um, and the, the penalty kick was missed on the 12th penalty. So um, having last been in English football's top flight in 1992, this year the Premier League began. Luton have waited 31 years to take their place at the top table. Um, their manager, um, sorry, the guy who scored the, the, the winner there, made his uh, debut in a conference game uh, at Alfreton in December 2013. Sorry, that's his name is Pele. Pele, actually, not Pele, but Pele. Uh, he wasn't the one who scored the, uh, the winning goal, but he, he's been with them since the days they were in the. That would have been some cool if if uh, if Luton got if they got Pele. Yeah, yeah. so played him. So hopefully they'll keep him on, and he, he plays in the Premiership. So that would be some uh, feat. So. Uh, uh, he was only 19 at the time and uh, he had been sent out on loan after a single appearance uh, for West Ham United in the League Cup and was unsure where his career was going. Luton Meanwhile were the fifth uh, were in their fifth season of non-league football having dropped through the divisions following relegation from top flight to 1992. So I suppose basically they've come a long way. Have, They've yeah. come a long way, um, and so fair play to them. Cause and it took a long time to get there, but when they got here... Yeah, it's but, you know, um, if your man um, it does play in the uh, Premiership, I don't think there's any other player who's done that. Mm, um, but I suppose, really, you know, even though it, took, it might have taken a long time to do it, it's all that bit more sweeter when they do do it. Yeah, and he was saying there, he said he's... He's, I feel like I've completed football. I can retire now, he said. Uh, I've been through the highs and lows, but I'm pretty sure he still wants to play in the Premiership. Oh, yeah. Um, and so we'll just move on. So fair play to Luton and commiserations to Coventry. So uh, I've always wanted to go to Luton ground because my nephews kept going on, you know, and you, it's so cheap to go. Now they're back in the Premiership. Well, they're in the Premiership now. You'll have to. You'll be able to watch them when they play Arsenal. Then. Yeah. Well, this is it. And my cousin, my nephews, told me they they'll have to support Luton. Then yeah. Arsenal. I said, "What? How can you?" But yeah, uh, they, they go to the matches, so they're more fans. Enough, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Europa League final there the other evening, Wednesday. Uh, Roma won, Seville won, uh, full time and extra time. Seville winning 4 1 on penalty, so Mourinho was not a happy man. This is Seville's uh, seventh Europa League win so they're they're the experts I think Mourinho was given out about the referee but I can't say the referee done any wrong really Mm. Uh, when he made an error or might give him the penalty VAR got it correct so I think he actually had a good good game so I think uh, Mourinho could be in a bit of trouble there Uh, we've got the Europa uh, Conference League final coming up West Ham v uh, Fiorentina uh, Fiorentina play in the Italian Serie A. Uh, they've won the European Cup Winners' Cup in 1960-61. And West Ham won the 1965 UPA European uh, Cup Winners' Cup. So they've uh, had past glories, but uh, 
that would be a nice result if they won that one. So, um, and who knows? I mean, if they win that as well, that, that puts them into the Europa League. No, the Europa. I get these mixed up now. There's yeah, the Europa, Europa Cup next season. So, there you uh, go. if they win it. Um, Champions League final. So this is the big one on the horizon. Uh, uh, be Saturday week, 10th of June, Inter Milan v Man City. So uh, Man City eventually going to get uh, their hands on the trophy that they've been trying, let's face it, for a number of years to get. I have a feeling they will, but you never know. It's a one-off game. But Inter have won the, the following European ch- uh, trophies. Three Champions League. Last one was 2010. Three Europa Leagues. Last one in 98, and two International Cups and a FIFA World Cup as well in 2010. So they've got uh, they've got some uh, experience there from years back, I suppose, uh, for winning trophies. But at the end of the day, it will depend on the day. Man City will be going in favourites, but um, you can't discount them into Milan. You know, you know if you. I, I, I like to see Man City win it myself. I know they could end up winning the trouble, but I'd like to see them win it because I it think they deserve it. Would, it. Yeah, it would complete the uh, the trophy cabinet, wouldn't it, if they got the Champions League trophy? Yeah, and it makes a difference as well as regards teams playing in Europe next season because um, my understanding there can be anything up to seven teams now playing. Um, I'm not sure there's an extra one on top of that, but uh, anyway, we'll see how they get they get on. But uh, they're closer now than they've ever been before, so we'll see what happens. Um, the Premiership results last week, uh, the last games of the season, it was on Sunday. Arsenal 5, Wolves 0, Aston Villa 2, Brighton 1, so that means Villa will have European football next season in the uh, Europa Conference. Uh, Brentford won, Man City won. Brentford, the only team to uh, do the double over City this season. So uh, you'd have to see how come they were successful no other team was. Uh, Chelsea won, Newcastle won, Crystal Palace won, Nottingham Forest won, Everton won, Bournemouth nil. That was the big game. Uh, Everton stay up. They've just about managed it. Uh, Leeds won, Tottenham four, so Leeds relegated. You can't say you know they did. They deserved not to stay. They didn't deserve to stay up. Uh, you have to feel for Leicester a bit. They beat uh, West Ham, but they needed um, Everton to drop points, so it didn't happen. So uh, Leicester won that two one. So they've gone down. So they've had highs and lows going from winning the Premiership, the FA Cup, the Community Shield, and now they're back into the. Uh, the championship, which is a dogged league to be to get out of, so uh, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what's the future of them. I get the feeling we're going to see them back, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my feeling. But it's all about money if they're in debt or any, anything like that. Man United two, Fulham one, Southampton four, Liverpool four. Aiden, bit of an odd result there. Mm, yes. Hey, I remember talking to you on the phone, jokingly saying that Southampton were winning four two. Next thing <laughs> they were winning four <laughs> two. But at least you didn't lose. Well, that's but, it. Uh, yeah, maybe take... that's their way of going out. So a bit, bit of a mixed season. But at the end of the day, you'd be happy with Liverpool because they finished fifth. So at least they're in Europe. Uh, predictions wise, Aiden, not good, mate. Three out of ten only. That didn't suit you. No, I got five out of ten. Darrow was the winner this week. Uh, he got six out of ten. Ema done well. She got five out of ten. So the final season result, you want to cover your ears up, Aiden. I'm well used to it at this stage. I've been hearing it all season, so go um, 
I got 15, you got 9, so Aiden, oh. you didn't even get into double figures, but we won't, we won't, we don't, we won't go we, on we, about we that. We'll give you your day in the sun. I'll, so I'll, technically, I'll back next week technically I, could, I could argue or put a, a case that you owe me six breakfast rolls, but we'll, we'll negotiate. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, anyway, the premiership from the kickoff on Sunday till the end of all the matches that remained exactly the same. So, sorry, I'm not saying that properly. The premiership, when it kicked off on Sunday, um, by the time the game finished, all the games finished, it's only the second time in the Premiership history that uh, the tables, all, all teams remained where they were, exactly the same. Genius. It's never happened, it's only happened once before. Uh, Erlen Haaland broke the Premiership goals record for the season, 36 goals. Uh, next was Kane on 30, so as bad as Tottenham have been, Kane is consistent as usual. And I have no doubt he'll be leaving this time. De Bruyne, most assists with 16. Next came Salah and Trussard. Uh, 1,084 goals scored in the Premiership this season. 12 more than last season. Uh, Harry Kane equaled Andy Cole's record for scoring 26 different games. They have to beat your goal scoring record, though. Wouldn't be, be too hard to beat. <laughs> um, so, uh, Kane's, too hard to beat mine, either. Kane's equaled another record there. More managers were sacked this season than any other Premier season before. Any idea how many managers were sacked, Aidan? Oh, uh, going into the 100, I know. Um, I'd say at least, what, 20. There's only 20 teams in the Premiership, Aidan. I know, I know. <laughs> No, 14 managers. 14. And it was that wasn't too far off. 14 managers, 10 clubs involved. Uh, Arsenal were the top of the Premiership for 248 days. It hurts me to say it. No team has never been on the top for that long and yet and didn't win the title. So, uh, you know, they gave them a good run for a while. I suppose at the end of the day, it's the strength, or should I be a bit bitter and say maybe it's the money yeah. one club has. But... Uh, Luton will be the 51st team in the Premiership. So uh, I don't know who the 50th was, but he's obviously one of the, possibly one of the teams that came up last season. Yeah. Leicester and Blackburn, the only teams to ever win the Premiership and get relegated. Uh, Leicester have now equaled the record for the most relegations from the top flight of English football, joining Birmingham City. Uh, if West Ham win the Europa Conference League, there will be eight English clubs in Europe. So uh, that's including, obviously, the the top seven as it stands and West Ham. So uh, that's a lot of uh, teams. And uh, Chelsea, uh, Leeds became the first Premiership team to concede more than 78 goals in a consecutive season. 78 last season and 79... Sorry, 78 this season and 79 last season. Chelsea's 44 points is the lowest league return since 87-88 season when they were relegated with 42 points. Haaland uh, was voted player of the season. I think it was by players and managers. Could be wrong on that one, but deserved. How did the teams do compared to last season? I just had a quick look at this. Uh, Man City, they're four points less than last season. Obviously, they finished first last season as well. Arsenal, uh, 15 points better off than last season. Last season, they only finished fifth. Man United, even better in many ways. They've... Man United 17 points more than last season. Their third this season, last season they were sixth. Newcastle are the biggest climbers. They were fourth and they um, ended up with 22 more points than last season. Last season they finished 11th. So they're going places. So It'll be interesting to see how they do next season. Uh, Liverpool were fifth. 
Last season they were second. <laughs> How many points do you think they were worse off? I'd have oh, a guess. I don't know. They were a good few. Like, I mean, if they're fifth now and they were second last year, I don't know, I'd say, what? I don't know, 20 points? 25. Ooh, I wasn't too far off there now. Uh, Brighton, uh, 6th this season, were 11 points better off than last season. They finished 9th. Villa, 16 points better off this season. They finished 14th last season, 7th this year. Tottenham, they finished 8th last season. As you remember, they, they got the last Champions League slot by finishing 4th. Minus 11 points. Brentford, big improvement for them as well. Ninth this season. Last season's their 13th. 13 more points than uh, last season. Palace, minus three points. The the biggest difference or worst drop was Chelsea. Finished 12th. Minus 30 points compared to last season. Um, they finished... Um, 10th last season sorry they finished 3rd last season uh, Wolves minus 2 points West Ham minus 16 points if you remember last season yeah. they done well they finished 7th only 14th this year uh, Everton we're used to seeing them down the bottom they finished 17th this year last year 16th so only minus 3 points less this year uh, Leicester a big drop as well uh, 18th this year they finished with 18 points less they finished 8th last season Leeds uh, 19th last season 17th minus 7 points Southampton obviously relegated rock bottom uh, 15 points last, less than last season so they finished 15th so I suppose the big changes there was Chelsea mm. for sure and Newcastle Newcastle the biggest uh, improvement Chelsea the worst but uh if you take the bottom two, the worst two teams is Liverpool and Chelsea. Who would have would have thought that? So um, just another question there, Martin. Um, you, you know the way like Man United are. Oh yeah, well they're they're in the Champions League. Um, so there's no kind of implications if they win the FA Cup tomorrow that that there's no any team that can go into another. We say that are outside the top set, the top. Is it the top six or something that can qualify for another? I, I think the that's why there's more teams this year already going in because last season there wasn't as many. Yeah. Okay. So it, it does have a, a reflection. I'm not sure exactly, but I think last season, at the moment, we've got seven teams in there. Yeah. Mm. I think last season there was only five. Right. I think there was the top four, mm. and Tottenham was fourth, and fifth was. Um, who came fifth last year? It wasn't Arsenal. It was no, we, no. Maybe it was t- Tottenham that finished. I think it was Tottenham, alright. Yeah. Yeah, Arsenal finished been, below yeah. Tottenham. So last year, I think there was five teams in Europe. Um, this season, at the moment, there's seven. Mm. So, so it does. It, it um, does have a reflection, yeah. but I'm not quite sure how that because they've changed the rules over the time over that not long ago. Because obviously you got Man City as well in the Champions League. If they win that then how does that affect where they finish? Yeah, because if, if you think of it, like, obviously, you know, Man- Manchester United have the last Champions League, Liverpool are in the Ch- are in the Europa League, yeah. so it's kind of, yeah, if Man United win the FA Cup, then there's, uh, there is another spot available somewhere yeah, else. I know the four teams that finish top of Champions League, there's no one being added to that, my understanding mm. is. Mm. So maybe uh, winning the Champions League uh, doesn't give an extra person for... To go into the Champions League, mm. um, but anyway, we'll move on to the FA Cup final. Man City v Man United. Uh, Man City are going for the trouble. They got the Premiership in the bag. FA Cup next uh, uh, Champions League. Ironic, the only team that can stop them, 
bar Inter Milan that is in the Champions League final is Man United their greatest rivals and also the only English side to achieve the treble so if that doesn't give you enough motive to go out and beat them I don't, don't know so it would be a bit ironic that they s- would stop them and who's to know it's a one-off game but uh, if you go by form you have to go for Man City but um, you know Man United's season is that's their last game of the season well I mean Man United always raised their game for, say, for yeah. the City and yeah. you know it's, it would have been in a final Mm. Like as we know, like you know, in, in any sport, you know, the league is the league. But there's something about, you know, in any in any round of any cup, you know, they're they're whatever it is. But there's something about a final. Anything can happen in a anything can happen in the final. So it's yeah. uh, well, it's, uh, like we said, I mean, Man City are going for the treble. Yeah, Man United are going for the domestic cup double. So um, sure, but, would you would you dare to say maybe it could go to penalties? Of course it could, yeah. yeah. The double the double of an FA Cup and Football League Cup uh, has only been achieved five times by Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool again. Um, Man United have won the FA Cup 12 times. There you go. I was told by someone recently it was 13 times and I should have known he was wrong and he said if we win this we equal Arsenal's record. And I forgot, Arsenal were two ahead. Arsenal on the 14. Man United are on 12. Uh, the last time they won it was 2016. Uh, Man United have lost eight FA Cup finals. The last one was 2018, if I remember right. That was probably against Chelsea, I think. Man City have won the FA Cup six times. And the last time was in 2019. Man City, though, have also lost five FA Cup finals. So, um... As regards FA Cup history between these two Manchester rivals, they first met in the FA Cup, Aiden, before our time, 1891, and City went on. Uh, went, City went by the name then called Ardwick, and Man United won 5-1. Then they met again in the semi-final in 1926 in Bramall Lane. City won that 3-0. Then they won. They met again in 1955 at Main Road in the fourth round, a 2-0 win to Man City again. But then they met again in Old Trafford in 1970. Man United won that 3-0 in the fourth round. They met again in 87 at Old Trafford again, third round. United won that one as well. Then they met in 1996 at Old Trafford, fifth round. A 2-1 win for Man United. So Man United are pulling ahead here now. And then in 2004, they met again at Old Trafford in the fifth round. A 4-2 win to United. Uh, But they met also in... 2011 in April at Wembley in the semi-final and that one was won by Man City and that year they lifted the FA Cup so you can you can argue that uh, Man City have beaten Man United at Wembley not in the final but in the semi-final there you go uh, and they met again in January 2012 this is the last time they met uh, at City third round Man United won that one 3-2. So the scores on the doors is Man United 6, Man City 3. But as I said there earlier, the first FA Cup final between these sides, Man City did beat Man United at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final 12 years ago. This season they have met in the Premiership, both winning their home matches. So uh, who's going to win the FA Cup? Who's going to win the FA Cup? Like you said, I think on form, really, you'd have to go for City. It's a tough one to call, really. I'm, I'm going to, do, I'm going to put my head in the block and say it's, this could go to penalties. I really do because mm. you know it's a final, 
Man, Man United always raised their game for playing Man City. It's the FA Cup, and um, at least the, the Man United can do the double. Uh, if it goes to penalties, Man United could win it. Yeah, I mean, I think it could go the way. Man City are favourites, no doubt about that. Yeah. If they play to their the best abilities, and Man City do the same, or sorry, Man United do the same, it's going to be a Man City win. Um, I think Man City have to win it. Mm. because that will only motivate well I'd say motivate them uh, it could demotivate them if they're to lose uh, and then the travel the and then League, Champions yeah. League I think it'd be easier if they go in and w- win the FA Cup and then play the Champions League but uh, there's no if they play to the, the level they can and if they can't uh, you know keep Holland under wraps mm. um, it's one of them games you just don't know mm. it could be a hammering it could be a close game where things go right for them, decisions go wrong for Man City, penalties, whatever. But Man United will give them a game. Um, there's no doubt about it because uh, they've been, in, well, they've been inconsistent, but defensively they're pretty good, especially at home. But this is not at home. This is at Wembley. Yeah. Uh, man for man, as I said, you have to go for Man City the way they played this season. I think they will do the trouble myself. Um, so we'll see and I think they'll go on to be Inter Milan but yes it could go to penalties extra time whatever so yeah, I, think, I, think I, I hope it doesn't mm. because then they have less time to prepare for the Champions League well that's it like I mean the, the way the way I go about it is if it goes to extra time or if it goes to penalties I think Man United it's it's 50-50 yeah, Man United could, could win it if it goes if, if it's decided in a normal time I'd have to go to say for City what do you what do you think uh, John what are, your, what are your predictions for this FA Cup final? I don't know. Uh, I think it'll, it'll be close. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I hope it goes to penalties. Put John on the, we're putting John on the spot there. This is a rugby man now. This is live. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <coughs> so it should be a good game, though, either way. You know, Wembley and, of course... I'm getting, I'm getting two penalty men's here, so I'm starting to think maybe it is going to be penalties. <laughs> There you go, two experts. So that's so, it from me, anyway. So there you go, Martin. Thanks very much, and uh, hope you enjoy your holidays, and we look forward to seeing you again in August where it all starts over again, and when I start off on a, on a winning on a winning streak by winning the first predictions. Uh, mucho dinero, Martin is saying here. I think I'll settle for... <laughs> I, I think, live on air, I think I'll settle for a big breakfast off you. Oh, no problem, yeah, no problem. So uh, thanks very much, Martin. Uh, a well-earned break now for, for, for the summer, and we look forward to having him back uh, talking about all things soccer. So uh, after this, we'll have our uh, we, we'll be talking to uh, John Quinn, who's going to be with me uh, for the next number of weeks, uh, doing work experience with me here on, uh, on Friday Sport, and we're going to have a chat with him after this. Hello everyone, how you doing? You're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself, Aidan Raftery, and uh, there was a bit of a glitch there. Sorry about that, folks. Yeah, so uh, as I was saying there, just before the just before the the break there, uh, we have uh, John. John Quinn is going to be with us for the next couple of weeks on Friday Sport, and he's going to be doing reports on sports and all that. So uh, just want to just want to welcome you there. Uh, good good to have you on board there, John. And uh, are you looking forward to doing your work experience? And what do you think, Ross M? So Ross M so far. Great. Uh, it's nice good to have you on board. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So uh, you're you're a rugby man, really. Your your dad is uh, Niall Quinn. We'll give Niall a, a big uh, a big hello there, and uh, he's a man that got us uh, got me a fair few interviews over the over the years. So we'd like to thank him for that. And uh, he's uh, he's had a good bit to do with uh, Craig's Rugby Club over the years, and uh, now with, uh, he's also with um, Buccaneers now as well. But he, he does uh, he does a lot of other things off the pitch and organising other things. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um yeah, he does a lot. Uh, he's yeah. he's involved in he's, he's involved, involved in uh, yeah the the inclusion. Uh, inclusion I suppose the most recent yes. one, the inclusion rugby inclusion is the rugby and um, the wooden spoon uh, foundation was also helping there as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, tell us a bit about yourself and where you're, you're uh, in school at the moment, and you're, that's why you're doing work experience here. But uh, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, the sports you're into and what yeah. you play in that? I'm I'm big rugby man uh, and I'm playing with Craig's yeah and uh, how's that going for you good good uh, and it was it was very enjoyable on Sunday as well with the the inclusion uh, where yourself and myself were involved in your your dad uh, it was a great day out wasn't it yeah yeah lots of fun yeah, and uh, it was it was in, I had never played. I was never involved in uh, in tag rugby, but it was it was good to get an insight in it. And uh, the main thing is everyone had fun and all that. And it's yeah. uh, I suppose the whole thing behind it is uh, giving people with dis- disability and disabilities and of course special needs the, opp- the opportunity to take part in sport. I suppose a mixed. Uh, mixed ability as well, isn't it? And that yeah. that's that's another thing that'll be coming up on the tenth in uh, Buccaneers Rugby Club. It's the seven is the seven hours the um, that tournament as well. The mixed yeah. ability. Yeah, that'll be good. Uh, this one was was the one on Sunday was uh, tag, but this next one uh, will be contact, which yeah. is going to be a lot different. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be interesting as well. It's going to be uh, something different. But it's uh, the good thing is there's the, as it says as the name suggests it'll be people of all abilities. So uh, I suppose yeah, it it was very enjoyable. And from from that uh, we made a few contacts. And uh, next Thursday at ten a.m. on Ross of M, tune in because there is a, a a rugby inclusion rugby. Uh, documentary that I've put that I've done there during the week, and it'll be it'll be um, it's it's very informative, I think, and uh, it uh, it has a lot of information. Uh, wooden spoon, as we said there, uh, it's a children's uh, it's a children's charity uh, for rugby, and of course uh, the IRFU, David um, David McKay as well. He's the disability and. Um, Inclusion officer with the IRFU and uh, both organisations got together and uh, it was a very well organised, um, a very well organised and enjoyable tournament. And so, and we also have uh, Peter Bracken as well, um, and he he'd be telling us about his his son and all that, and uh, why that's kind of relevant for him. And I think he got a lot out of the show as well. So uh, yeah, so for more information, why not tune in next next uh, Thursday for inclusion rugby and uh, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play the first part of that interview and uh, that's coming up that's coming up now after this Hello everyone, how are you doing? And you're very welcome to Inclusion Tag Rugby with myself, Aidan Raftery and we have uh, we have the uh, Disability and Inclusion Officer uh, David McKay from the IRFU we also have Matt Mitchell from the Wooden Wooden Spoon uh, Children's Charity for Rugby, and of course former Ireland and Munster player Peter Bracken, who will have a very valuable um, 
contribution to this and you'll, you'll see why. So I suppose we'll start off with yourself first, Matt, and uh, the Wooden Spoon. Can you give us a bit of a b- background on yourself and uh, your involvement in rugby and uh, I suppose your role in um, in the Wooden Spoon Children's Charity uh, rugby rugby organization for a rugby organization um they give they give grants don't they for and uh, you know do a lot of work which make life makes um changes lives for for the people that have special needs and disabilities and also you know their families as well and uh, you know it's essential for their for their development as well as they get older and development skills development and things like that yeah, that's right. We're a grant-giving charity, and we were formed 40 years ago when uh, the Irish beat the English in Dublin, meaning that uh, the England team won the wooden spoon, 1983. Were you playing then, Peter? <laughs> I was. I would have been a young chap, though. Yeah, yeah. Never say we don't give you anything, much, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess the charity is a celebration of... Uh, of English failure, but um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, but we're very happy to um, to on behalf of the rugby community across the whole of the UK and Ireland to uh, to be funding projects that help change the lives of children. That's yeah, it. Have- yeah, and how, how do you uh, get get funding? And of course, the great work uh, that your volunteers do, and the great work that you that uh, you do yourself. And uh, what would your what's your role in the organisation as well? Well, I'm um, I, I'm luckily enough t- uh, to be able to uh, call working for you know, volunteering for Wooden Spoon or working for Wooden Spoon as my job. You know, it's uh, you know, and I always say I absolutely love it. It makes it very easy to get up in the morning. Um, you know, I've um, I've worked hard in my life. I've played a bit of rugby and um, uh, always been involved in rugby. But um, to be able to get up in the morning and use rugby to make the uh, you know to help improve the lives of the children we support is uh, is very easy to do. And uh, as a result, I put 100% into it, and um, I think we're, we're making a difference. And um, you know, what we do on behalf of the rugby community is uh, is fund projects that help children and young people who are either disabled or or um, disadvantaged or vulnerable in in some way. And um, you know, we always do it um, with rugby in the background. We don't just fund rugby projects, and we're going to talk about the rugby project that that we funded. With uh, with David just uh, in a moment, I'm sure. But uh, we fund a whole range of product uh, uh, projects. Uh, you know, we we uh, we we recently funded um, accessible beach surf um, boards and things to 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 help children with a disability access the opportunity to surf um, off the coast of Ireland. And um, that was that, that was just one project that we funded. You know, we funded 1.6 million pounds worth of projects last year alone, and that all came from that little presentation of a wooden spoon at O'Donoghue's bar back in um, back 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, since then we've, um, you know, we've helped thousands and thousands and thousands of children. And most importantly, we've helped their parents as well be proud of uh, what they've been able to achieve. And uh, yeah, so that's, uh, but it, it's also important to say that it's not just in the UK. You also, you also have projects going on in Ireland and you, you fund uh, different projects all around Ireland and England. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, we have Wooden Spoon regional committees across the whole of the UK and Ireland. So our um, Leinster committee is uh, led by Niall, uh, Niall, Niall Brown, um, who recently took over from Fergus Slattery, who you all know, um, uh, the great Fergus himself led Wooden Spoon Leinster for uh, for many years. Um, 
Niall's taken that over to to help out, and uh, we wish we wish Fergus all the best for his uh, for, for, you know, coping with uh, what is a terrible terrible illness of uh, dementia. Um, but uh, Niall's doing a great job. We've got um, you know, we, we're trying to regenerate the uh, the Leinster region. We we have a very active Ulster region. Um, led by Peter Wood and uh, Willie John McBride up uh, at uh, Ballymena, and um, we're a little quiet over in over in Connaught and and, and Munster, Peter. So uh, perhaps you can give us a give us a bit of a lift over there. But uh, you know, we're fantastic. It was fantastic over the last weekend to see so many young people from all over Ireland, from all four provinces, uh, taking part, and uh, that's really down to David and his network and working in partnership with the IRFU. That's it, and we we'd be talking about uh, the uh, the partnership between yourselves and uh, your FU as well. But uh, I suppose a key part of the, your organisation as well, both in England and Ireland, and to be able to deliver these projects is the great work done by uh, by your your volunteers, both in England and Ireland. Yeah, all those all those committees, you know, those regions that we talked about, all have regional committees run by volunteers, uh, like like Peter and Niall. Um, Peter, uh, Peter, uh, Peter, uh, uh, Peter Wood and uh, Niall Brown, um, and um, you know across the whole of the uh, of England and Scotland, we also have um, regional committees led by volunteers as well. And and the importance of the you know the the benefit and the and the reason why it's so great to have those volunteers involved. It, it means that every penny that we raise stays locally to fund the projects that they want it to fund. And uh, so there's no costs uh, taken away from the money that they raise. That's it, and it's it's great to see the continued work. And uh, I suppose from the, from the point of view of the future, what are your goal? What are your goals and targets? Uh, I suppose uh, for the future. Well, we we we'll, we'll talk specifically about how we want to work and how we want to affect the growth of inclusive rugby, VI rugby, disability rugby across Ireland. England, Scotland, and Wales, but um, we want we want to um, grow those those volunteer volunteer committees, help the Leinster Ulster Leinster committee, so that they they have regular events that raise money that is only going to be spent in Leinster. And we want to we want to help the Ulster region to do the same, and also if if at all possible, Munster and Connacht could uh, set up these committees, and we can uh, we can get some activity going there as well. And I suppose, really, another thing that has happened in recent years, and it affected, it affected many areas of society around the world, as well as Ireland and England and Scotland and Wales, and that's COVID. And I suppose uh, I'd be asking David as well how that, how he found that it impacted on the IRFU. But I suppose, from your point of view as a charity, how did it affect you, and uh, what did you do to kind of get through that? Because it was, as I said, it's a it was a very difficult time for all aspects of society in sport and non sport non sporting organisations. Yeah, it was a terrible time for everyone, and uh, you know, all those people that suffered from COVID, uh, you know, need to need to be thought about here. But um, you know, for, for myself personally, and the and the the small staff that we've got at Wooden Spoon Head Office, we were furloughed and uh, were were, were uh, not working for the whole of that lockdown period. And gradually, as uh, the the restrictions were lifted, we were able to come back to work, and uh, we've actually bounced back really well and launched a couple of projects. That uh, that have been fundraising projects and um, and and some and some um, and delivered some projects that have been absolutely super right off the bounce of uh, of COVID. You know, one of the 
one of the things that we're dealing with at the moment is uh, uh, a cost of living crisis. And Wooden Spoon have been able to help fund some projects that have helped young people who haven't been able to feed themselves to uh, access food from food kitchens. And we've matched grants from all the regions to, uh, to get out to, uh, to, to help food kitchens help where they can. So, um, right. yeah, you know, COVID nice. and the cost of living crisis, double whammy, but we're going strong now and we're, we're, um, we're picking back up. So we're on the, on a good trajectory. That's great. And I suppose just a few, a few uh, impressive things here. 43 uh, charitable projects, which helped over a hundred thousand vulnerable children and, uh, young people. That's very, very, that's very impressive. And, uh, I suppose if people now on seeing this, if they want to make a donation or they want to get involved, how do they get involved in the Wooden Spoon Children's Charity, uh, for rugby? Well, it's very easy. Just have a browse of our website or go onto any of our social media sites. Uh, if you did a Google search or uh, any any other searches are available, <laughs> you can look up woodenspoon.org.uk is the website. But we're typically Wooden Spoon Charity or Charity Spoon on our social media pages. And follow us there. Have a look. We're very lucky to have a, a good, really great support of uh, what we call membership, which is a regular donor scheme to uh, to uh, keep the charity uh, uh, income coming along so that we can fund more projects. And I suppose from uh, the point of view of, uh, you know, partnerships and how you got involved in rugby, was that from the start or like were you, were you a children's charity and then you partnered up with, with, uh, with rugby to kind of get the message of inclusion out there? Or how did that, how did the whole thing come about? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the, it started with England winning the wooden spoon oh, in yes. the Five Nations in 1983. So we've been connected with rugby right from the start. Uh, very soon after that, we had a number of uh, ambassadors take us on board and we partnership and our patrons are the, the four home unions. And we, uh, we work very closely with, uh, with, with, our, with the home unions to make sure that we're um, uh, complementing each other and, and helping to enhance the reputation of rugby in the community. Um, you know, and I think that the good work that rugby does, you know, the, the good name that rugby has is in part due to the good work that rugby does in terms of the charity and, uh, you know, not just the, the, the camaraderie and the respect that it promotes, but also um, the good work it does in the community to support local communities. And uh, moving on to David now, uh, you're you're very welcome. Thanks very much for taking the time out to to join us as well. It's very good of you. Uh, you've you've all been very busy men over the last over the last couple of days. But uh, I suppose from your own point of view, David, um, can you tell us a bit about your role as uh, disabled and uh, disabled and uh, inclusion officer with the IRFU and your own background as well? Yeah, so the, the disability inclusion officer is pretty much a well, to say, is a new role. I got just before COVID, and it's really about increasing opportunities, uh, whether that be inclusive or diverse rugby, opportunities for people to, that are marginalised uh, to access the game, whether that be disability tag, whether that be mixed ability or, or visually impaired rugby. And um, I suppose that comes in a different ways from a national point of view. I cover all four provinces, so I'm the only one that does it for my sins. Uh, and I suppose the, the hard bit for that is... We've got a great net- networks within our clubs, and, and it's trying to link everyone together. So we're all working in the same sort of the pathway. Uh, and it's not for every club to have a disability section, but it's for every club to have uh, to know where to signpost, how to support players that have disabilities, and and where's the the network they can link into. Because I think from for me personally, like I started Balmina Bears, and I've been a coach when I was seventeen, eighteen, and they were at the tournament there on Sunday, and I think. 
I know from the very first time he went to a wooden spoon about 10, probably 10 years ago now, that it wasn't just for the players, it was, the, it was for the parents to have networks with other parents in the area to find out what their sons or daughters were going through and how to get that support network. So I think from an IRFE point of view, we put the resource in place myself uh, and it's really just a look at, from a strategic point of view, how do we develop this game so that it's not just a, a club sets up and they disappear within two years, but it's a, the long-term plan of being part of that rugby family. Um, and I think Sunday was probably the, the cup uh, probably the, the sort of the pinnacle of where we're at, but also where we need to get to as well, because there's probably teams that need a lot more support in that area. Uh, and it's trying to figure out where we put the resources from a, from a national point of view. So look, it's, it's something that we're, we're not the best at it, at it yet. We've got a long way to go, but we're down the right, down that right pathway and the, the journey of what uh, the inclusive sport, inclu- inclusive sport looks like. Um, for me anyway. And I suppose the, the big, big, big thing about that is not only the support we give them, but also the training opportunities that we give coaches, whether that be uh, disability awareness training, visually impaired training. Um, when it comes to coach education, we're holding, holding uh, conferences every year for the last three years now, either that be online or in person. And it's sort of to give that also a CBD for coaches and clubs to look at other avenues that it doesn't just have to be disability tag. There's other forms of, of inclusive rugby that, we, that clubs can offer as well. So I think it's it's every every day is different. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Like if I take the weekend past, I was at the Emerald Warriors uh, Awards Night on the Friday for the 20th anniversary. On the on the on the Saturday, I had the the visually impaired rugby the first of the game at UCD, and uh, and then afterwards was the wooden spoon vets game. And Sunday we had 450 kids from um, 36 teams from across Ireland and the UK at the wooden spoon uh, tag rugby festival. So that's a a weekend. That that for me, uh, and I suppose I'm having with this throughout the year. So it's it's yeah. it's weird to see. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm very busy, and sometimes I'm like, I, I can't get a minute. But I, I think that's why I love the sport, and that's why I love what I love my job. And very lucky at it. That's it, and I suppose really with, with the IRFU as well, it was uh, that there are great ways uh, which they've been able to reach out to the community and people uh, with special needs and uh, disabilities as well, and that will be through their clubs. I mean. You know, on the pitch, uh, for the real young players, you have many rugby and then the other age structure and then obviously junior clubs and senior and things like that. Uh, that's a great way. And uh, But I suppose there was another um, another avenue that you saw and you identified and have done uh, great strides in association with the Wooden Spoon Children Charity. And that was, uh, you know, people getting people with special needs um, involved in rugby. And I suppose... You know that that's the thing that that's the essence of you know the best thing for in to get people involved in rugby would have been and the safest way is kind of tag rugby to start off with and see how they how they get interact in that and obviously on Sunday uh, everyone it was a thoroughly enjoyable uh, tournament as well I was there myself and uh, delighted to be there and it was very well organised um, so there, there's that to it as well and. Um, you know, when you see people enjoying themselves, that's that, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I think that's probably the big thing. For I, I know speaking to, to parents that I've known for years that have been involved in the different teams that I've been involved in, um, it's they, they never thought their son or daughter could play rugby. They just didn't see that as being an avenue for them to, to, participate, to participate in the game that they watch on TV. And I suppose rugby is something that is versatile. You could have your tag attached, but 
you might use the rugby ball as just the mechanism, but it's the games, it's that social interaction with other players and with uh, other peers. I think the, the big thing is probably that belonging, the belonging to your club, the belonging to your community, and, and I suppose the, the rugby family as a whole, no matter where you went, if you watch Ireland on, on the weekend or the World Cup and you're all wearing the green, you belong to the Irish rugby family. And I think that's probably a big thing that I sort of see from the parents I've known that I've grown up with, that it's going down and knowing that you're wearing the first 15 jersey, you're the same, you're the same club member as someone else within that, that community and you belong there. And it, like, that's something that we're probably not the best at promoting, but I know what happens because I, I sort of have the feedback from the parents and feedback from the clubs that this is something that they wish they'd done 10 years before. And, and for a lot of clubs now that are just starting this journey, it's sort of seeing the tournaments like we had on Sunday and using the, I can't wait till the next one. Uh, I think that's something in it. I think I remember the first time I went away to, I think it was Whitney, we went away to the Wooden Spoon Tournament. It was the first time for some of our older players that they got a boat and they stayed away from their hometown. And that's something that when you're working with, you probably take for granted. Um, when you're younger and going through rugby, that I've been in lots of tours. Uh, it's just something that just stuck with me. I always remember that. So speaking of players have never been on a boat, never been on a coach outside of their hometown. And I think that's a, a big thing that rugby gives the opportunity that's it. And uh, for, next up, we have we're talking to former Ireland and uh, Munster player, and uh, this is something that'll be probably uh, close to your heart as well, Peter. Um, having he- heard the two lads talking there, now myself and Peter know each other through Niall Quinn. Uh, he introduced us um, about you know for an interview for my show um, Friday Sport on uh, Ross FM Community Radio, and um, I think it's fair to say we've been we've been good we've been good friends ever seen and you're uh, ever since, and you're. Uh, your journey around Ireland with electric cars and all that, but uh, tell us about your own situation and why um, you know something like this would mean a lot to you as a, as um, due, due to your family situation, Peter. Absolutely, Aidan. And and firstly, I've played a lot more games with Connacht than I I did with Munster. So uh, oh, very uh, good. I enough to play <laughs> with, with, with both provinces, and they they both have. Uh, uh, fantastic seasons this year, but yeah, um, I'm I'm a rugby uh, uh, a fan and 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 a parent and a, a parent with a of a child with new neuro diverse gifts and um, you know sport and activity is just uh, so important for 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 everyone and as as the lads uh, alluded to, it's. Um, it's the whole social side of things, uh, probably more so than even the the physical uh, activity of do, of of doing it, which which both are great. And um, you know, rugby has been making massive strides in that, and 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 well done to the two lads, uh, David and Matt, and and all they're doing because it does make a huge a huge difference. Um, you know, I've been organising a local charity here. Uh, Mayo Autism Camp, and we just run just sports camps uh, and activity camps for the kids uh, in the summer and Easter holidays and stuff. And you know, I just know from that um, how yeah, it's as much for the parents as well, and 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 uh, everything that the lads uh, said there. You know, um, great for the kids and, and and great for for networking with 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 parents. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And and last August, I was lucky enough. I just happened to be passing by Cork and uh, popped in to Sunderswell Rugby Club. And uh, Sunderswell's Rebels were uh, 
um, been presented with their um, World Cup trophy for mixed ability rugby, and I got I got stuck in and, and played a bit of rugby with the lads, and it it was brilliant and kind of um, uh, got me involved uh, that way, and and obviously with Nile and you know the big event uh, happening next. Saturday on the 10th of June in Buccaneers Rugby Club, the uh, All-Ireland Mixed Ability uh, Rugby Tournament. So it's the inaugural tournament. So that's uh, that's going to be uh, an amazing day, I'm sure. That's it. And, uh, you, you know, I suppose really as well, uh, and another point to kind of often as well is, you know, as well as having fun, the, you know, these the, the people with special needs and disabilities as well, uh, you know that are play that are playing in these uh, playing these games as well. They're actually developing skills as well without realizing it. I, I suppose developing developing skills with, um, by having fun is another, isn't it, uh, Peter and Matt, yeah. uh, Peter and uh, David and Matt, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, it just just the whole team. Uh, there, you know, there's very few games in the world better for team, uh, a better team game than rugby. You know, we all know that, and I know we're biased, but it is. It is the best team yeah. game, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, all shapes and sizes and and abilities and and, and all the rest. And yeah, it's um, just communication skills and and getting on uh, with other people and. You know, one thing that stuck out to me uh, uh, down in Sunday as well that day was the banter, just yeah. the banter between everyone involved, the players and the coaches. And it's just kind of unique to rugby. And, you know, everyone should should get a chance to experience that. And, and you know, the guys with, um, you know, different and, and special needs and whatever, um, they love that. They love that. And some of the... I was especially taken by some of the non-PC uh, uh, quotes and language used by the players in slagging each other off. So it just brought the whole human element to it that, yeah. you know, everyone everyone deserves the opportunity to, to get involved in the crack and, and, and having fun and, and being active and, and being part of a team sport and no better uh, game than rugby to get involved in. Peter, can, uh, Peter can, I ask, can I ask you a question, Peter? Yes. You know, we, we talk about the, the amazing opportunities that rugby give to, to bond players together, whether it's uh, children or adults. You know, it creates connection, it creates community, develops character and confidence and, and, and communication skills. Mm-hmm. But, um, and for, for, your, for your child, um, you know, as a parent of, uh, of a child that has, as you, just, as you said, a, a gift, um, um, how 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 do you find the support that you got from uh, the state, as it were, and you know through school? Did you have a positive experience? Um, yes and no. Uh, it was very very difficult at the start. Um, it took four years for for a diagnosis. Um, so virtually no help whatsoever. Um, but once you get labelled. Uh, well, then in Ireland and, and particularly in Mayo, uh, there is a lot of support. There is n- not that support in other parts of the country. So we're uh, we're lucky to have a little bit of a hub, but that didn't come by accident. That's from a lot of hard work down through the years from different parents that that had had no um, access to to um, to any help. So um, I, I, it was a big learning curve for me, but also with 
their primary school. So it was it was all new, it was all learning. Um, I spent a lot of time educating uh, teachers and, and different things about, um, you, you know, autism and, and the likes. And, and um, uh, you know, really, um, you know, I, I suppose with teachers, they have such a, a, a busy job. There's so many kids, so many different um, abilities, and they can't be an, an experts in everything and in every disability but um uh, but i i found just giving the basics and 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 being able to sit down with them uh was 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 a huge help and that came from support from from the school itself you know um other parents have talked to haven't had it quite that lucky you know but i suppose in the early days you have to fight for everything and i'm sure it's i've heard similar stories over in the uk like you know in ireland like it's a great country um there's a lot of good stuff here um but really services that are needed and that you're entitled to um don't come automatically uh you kind of have to fight for them through the the um uh, you know the 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 h s e and 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 stuff like that so um once you get into the system, uh, it's it's and not too bad. But you know, the, for, that's just the practical side of things. Getting through life and school and whatever. There's, um, it's only voluntary organisations then when it comes to kind of recreation and organising events uh, for the kids uh, to socialise and and meet up. So um, when you, you know, when you found when you found that. Uh, Oh, you had that opportunity for your child to play rugby, and you met with the other parents uh, of young people who who have uh, grown up in a similar system. It's a really uh, empowering, uh, positive experience, and you can share your your learnings and experiences and talk openly and uh, about about your experiences. And I think that's a really powerful thing. And you talked about that, you know some teachers um, don't really understand. All the all the intricacies of every child, and it being possible to do that. Um, yet we're asking coaches to do the to do the same as well, with, and and coach rugby. And uh, you know, David, I know is passionate about making sure that coaches are equipped with all those skills to help help coaches to ensure that every child can enjoy rugby as well. Right, David? Yeah, I think they probably coming from my career started as being like a support worker, and then working in employment services for likes of Mencap and different national organisations. And I think that's probably the big thing that I've, that I've seen is just the, that education piece, as Peter was sort of alluding to. It's it's probably the hardest bit. And, and I suppose from a rugby point of view, we focus on the rugby aspect, but we're so much more. And as you say, Matt, we're, we're trying always to improve and trying to give best practice and knowing that it's not a, a one-size-fit-all. Um, and you have to find what works for for a player and what works for our parents. The likes of we've got communication boards, we've got coach resources, we've got different webinars on different disabilities, and I think like mm-hmm. that's great, but it's not going to be it's not going to fit everyone. Um, and a bit like myself, people think, oh, I'm the expert. It's like I'm an expert at what I know. If I don't know something, I know I need to signpost and find out that information. I think from an IRFU point of view, the resources that if a club or any individual wants to get involved in rugby and find out how to be, how to sort of access the game, whether that be 
playing within the mainstream side of things or the in- inclusive side of, of our of the rugby game, then I'll be there there to be sort of signposting, but also be with them from the start and to the very end and be involved in that journey as well. So I think that's probably the, the big thing uh, from from our point of view. And I suppose working with like the wooden spoon. I remember my first time I went to the wooden spoon tournament, and it's something that I want to make sure that every year our players have the same opportunity to go to that tournament because I think it's so much more than just a rugby tournament. It's the having the ice cream, meeting someone new, yeah. and seeing a peer in a different uh, seeing a peer in a different team wearing a different colour kit, but you can see themselves in, in in yourself, and I think that's the that's probably a big thing. That's it, and uh, what we're going to do is uh, that's the end of part one uh, where we, we got to know each other and I suppose uh, got to know about the, David's role and Matt's role and of course uh, the contribution uh, from from Peter as well. So in part two then we'll be, uh, we'll be discussing uh, the weekend as well, so uh, we'll, talk to you, we'll talk to you in part two. Hello everyone, how are you doing? And you're welcome to episode five of Paddy Joe Burke the uh, Rossi on tour with myself, Aidan Raftery, and of course the man himself, Paddy Joe, live from his uh, barber shop here in Roscommon Town. Hello, Paddy Joe, how are you? Are you well? Hello, Aidan. It's always good to talk to you. And it's it's extra nice to talk to you this evening, a beautiful evening, after a beautiful result on Sunday. And it's a great feeling since the final whistle went on last Sunday, Aidan. And uh, to come away from a draw, was a draw, uh, you know, in Crow Park, which is usually very hard to beat the dubs in Crow Park. Uh, you know, they, they played very well. They could, they could have won it, but a draw, a draw is very good. And it sets us up nicely for the rest of the group. Well, I was absolutely delighted with the result on Sunday. I came out of Crow Park hopping, coming down the stairs. I was so, so happy. Do you know, Aidan, this times when a draw is even better than a win? And last Sunday was one of those games. Uh, we were, you could say, two points down uh, with the clock ticking into the 70, the 71st minute. And... Uh, then we got a point and I was saying, oh my God, oh, I said, don't beat me, be a point. Mm. I'd, I'd sooner be beaten by 25 points than one. But thanks be to God, we got the point and we finished mighty and it was, a, it was a sensational result. And I was extremely happy leaving Crow Park and I'm extremely happy since Aidan as well. That's it, I don't blame you. And it sets us up nicely for the game in Dr. Hyde Park this Sunday against Sligo and uh, a, three, a three o'clock kickoff. It should be a, a, a good game and a game you're looking forward to yourself yeah well, um, I'm I'm actually living down in Sligo I'm living down in Ballymote and there's a there's a lot of Sligo people coming up on Sunday so there is and uh, Sligo got I remember 2015 we were after winning the Division 2 final in Crow Park uh, Sinan had a great day that day so he had he kicked five great points and uh, we went down on a Saturday evening to play Sligo and we were full of confidence and we thought uh, that we'd win, but Sligo turned us over. And we, um, I remember 80, I remember 87 and I remember, uh, 1981 after the All Ireland Sligo saw. But I think this, I think coming to Croat, to High Park on Sunday after Crow Park, and I think this Roscommon team, uh, what I was really impressed with was last Sunday. I was impressed with our fitness level. My God, Aidan, we're really fit. And we also have a game plan, which is excellent. And if we if we bring our fitness and our game plan and uh, to Hyde Park on Sunday. Now, we're very fortunate as well. We're, I think we're very, very lucky that we got to play Dublin first. 
And uh, we'll see Dublin and Kildare play on Saturday evening, which will be a great indicator of what's coming down the road with Kildare. I was in uh, Merkovich Park to see Kildare and Sligo play. Uh, Sligo were pretty good that day. In fact, they, were, they, closed, out, they closed out the game very well. Uh, Kildare were three points up and Sligo got three points in a row to level the game. And they're very unlucky in that game. They got... They got a point as well that was uh, given as a wide. And if that had been given, as the Sunday game proved that twas over the bear, a Sligo would have won that game. But um, uh, we'll know more now on uh, when we see Dublin and Kildare playing on Sunday, on Saturday evening. We play Sligo ourselves and it's in, you know, we'll have a great idea, uh, how, how things are going or what the team and the management will know what they need to do. So we're looking forward to Sligo and the weather is going to be great as well by all accounts. And it's a bank holiday weekend. So roll on the weekend. That's it. And I suppose, uh, with you being from Roscommon and, uh, living in, living in Sligo, it's that old adage, it's that old adage. You can take the man out of Roscommon, but you can't take Roscommon out of the man. Well, yeah, I, um, I, I get on very well with my lovely neighbours down in Sligo. They all know Petty Joe's from Roscommon and I wear my jersey an awful lot around uh, Ballymote and around. Now, I do go to enough, uh, to a lot of the club games down there and, uh, it's, it's great. Other lovely people and I'm fierce happy and sure look at Wilson. And do you know what? I'm, I'm awful lucky, Eden. More than my wife, uh, she's absolutely stone mad on football. And she's one of the best analysts that you could sit beside at a match. She's a great reader of the game. She has a tremendous knowledge of football. She loves the game. She lives for the game. And imagine meeting a girl like that. So the, the two of us get on great. She has her Sligo jersey and I have Mira's common jersey. And it doesn't come, uh, the ball game doesn't come between us, but we, enjoy, we love our football, both of us. That's great, and it, I suppose it rose to a bit of banter as well. But uh, I suppose this week's the, the theme of this week's one I was talking to you off air, and I think it's something that that's very close to you know, and as part of the GA and part of who we are as a people, uh, you know, due to immigration, people move abroad for work reasons and things like that. And I think uh, the essence of that is when people move abroad to whatever country, you know, New York, London, or whatever. I think the first thing that you do when you're abroad is uh, you go looking to uh, the local. GA club, where's the local GA club, and get involved. Um, a, a way of expressing your your Irishness, I suppose, when you're abroad, and uh, that connection with Ireland. And uh, I suppose, really, with um, with that in mind, you know, it is very. Uh, it must mean a lot to um, Roscommon friends, fans abroad. I mean, you know, Roscommon in the in the college championship. There's New York, and um, there's New York. And um, London, and I suppose in that it must mean an awful lot to those fans abroad in, in those two in those two cities uh, when Roscommon roll into town in in New York and in London. Yeah, I I always think uh, Aidan, that this time of the year that the immigrant overseas, the one thing the huge connection with the immigrant and home is uh, the GA and uh, Mammy have in the in the olden times before with the internet, Mammy would have sent over the the local papers and she might send over a Roscommon jersey to anyone that would be living in the in 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 bygone days. Now with the internet, all that has changed and you. 
can get local media and uh, local media and, and all of that has been brought to the immigrant wherever they are which is great but the GEA and the Jersey I, I love holidays and I've been very fortunate to get a bit of you know travel in and I'd always be excited if I've seen her a scumming jersey on a beach or seen her a scumming jersey on the plane or seen her a scumming jersey on the train or the bus oh god it's uh, it's magical you see, you know you'd say he's a Rossi too and he's a Rossi on tour and then if you've seen any other county jersey you know you'd automatically make a beeline and you'd exchange morning greetings and invariably you'd end up talking about whatever match had taken place or coming up and the GA is a great means of communication it's a great one to it's a great icebreaker on uh, you know when you meet someone uh, all you have to say if, if you see the jersey mention one player from his county and you could have an hour's conversation you know and the immigrant I always think there's two times there's, there's two times of the year when I feel sorry for the immigrants is uh, Championship Sunday we're very fortunate here now we can get into the care and we can drive to Hyde Park and uh, we can get into the stadium and get our programme and check out the team and check out the subs and see what's happening and then the team emerge from the tunnel and that's a magic moment when they run out on the hide and uh, the ball is in and the game is on and oh god the excitement I always feel for the immigrant I always feel they're missing that like they too would love to be home they too would love to be going to the hide they too would love to see the game they'd love to be in Crow Park last Sunday and the only one thing that keeps the immigrant together is uh, if we get to the closing stages of uh, the championship and big match day and he's glued to whatever means of communication or he's whatever he's getting uh, the sound or the TV or his phone or his laptop, he's watching the match and he's scanning the crowd and he's excited. And he, the only thing that keeps him together, Aidan, he said, if we win this one, I'll be home for the next one. And uh, championship uh, Sunday and the immigrant there's a huge connection and there's a huge uh, love and there's an identity and there's it brings it brings the whole mixed grill of who we are together and also I think as well uh, the, the immigrant the other time is uh, on Christmas Eve silent night I love Christmas and I love Christmas at home and I love all the goodwill of Christmas and I associate Christmas Eve and big match day as the, you know, I, I associate the national anthem and Silent Night, them two tunes are very dear to me heart. I love the National Anthem oh god I just put uh, the National Anthem on Big Match D8 and it have goose pimples on the sole of me shoe, looking out at the Rossies and you'd be watching them and you'd be looking and the flag and the and, uh, and the National Anthem it doesn't get much better, this is it, there's oh god the magic of that moment and when the, oh, when the National Anthem finishes I sometimes I'm afraid to see the ref thrown in the ball I say ref hold on to it don't don't spile it could we play the national anthem again but no the ball has to be thrown in and then on Christmas Eve at Mass in the Four Mile House or even down in Ballymote where I live now and you'd hear Silent Night and then again I think of the immigrant I think of the Irish all over the world and they too would love to be in their own church on that night they'd love to be at home they would, we all have child uh, great memories of child childhood, great memories of the past and sometimes maybe the past we glamorise them as 
but certainly Silent Night and the National Anthem has a has a huge uh, big part in Paddy Joe's heart and I always think of the immigrant and I also also thank God how fortunate and privileged I am to be at home and to be living and working among my own people and going to see the greatest football team in the world playing next Sunday, the Rossies against Sligo. What a treat, what an honour, what a privilege. That's it and I suppose really it, it is a great opportunity when Roscommon go to the likes of London and uh, New York as well. It's a reunion as well. People from New York mightn't have seen mightn't have seen their relatives or mightn't have been able to visit Roscommon for for ages and especially you know come I suppose COVID as well it, it, it impacted a lot of people but uh, you know a lot of people when Roscommon are playing over there you know they travel to London they travel to New York and it's a great way of seeing relatives and they, they don't just go over the mat for the match some make a week of it some make, make a long weekend of it go over on the Thursday and come back on the Tuesday or Wednesday and they, you know they make up I suppose it's a way of making up for lost time talking about football and you know looking back on the league or whatever and look, looking forward to the rest of the championship or next year um, it really is something special and we've seen we say you know like um, Dermot Airely was over there uh, for, for one match I think um, he made a speech uh, in New York uh, after one one match as well and of course last year I suppose from a from, from a, a Sligo point of view uh, Sligo played there last year and uh you know they 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 were uh, they were I suppose they were lucky not to be beaten last year, but they they um they 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 won last year and unfortunately it didn't go their way this year. New York won it and came home, so that was a special occasion that they were that they won that game and came over here. So I suppose for you for you as a fan, I suppose being where you where you're living now, kind of mixed fortunes in a way. But it, it, these are very special moments in in the GA that you don't get in any other sport. Yeah, it's true, Aidan, now, and, uh, you know, but the GA is a great, it's a great uh, community at home or abroad, and it's great for the immigrants that they have the GA identity in, in those famous cities all around the world, and that they can go and that they can meet up and that they can share stories and gather together, and it, it brings, it brings home to the immigrant, wherever they are, big football matches to go, and there's always um, a local community of Irish all over the world. And it's amazing how much the GA they're nearly in, in all, they're across all continents, you know. And it's a fabulous organisation. My God, when you when you think of what what came out of Thurles back in eighteen eighty four, and to see where the GA is today, and I love I love going to Crow Park. I just love I love that stadium. And to think that that stadium was built by men and women who turned down Wellingtons and heard sweat and tears and all the women that works behind the scenes and all the women that washes, wash the jerseys down the years. Now, maybe washing jerseys might be a bit, a bit easier than it was maybe 20 years ago. But the amount of work that the ladies put in behind the scenes in the GA and still putting in, now uh, the ladies' GA is taken to a new level with the amount of players. But the, but the volume Voluntary effort by the ladies making the sandwiches, gathering, and that for the immigrant, you know, with the Irish centre. Now, maybe more so when the immigration was different. Today, your your immigrant that's leaving Ireland is he's much more. He's a different type of an immigrant. He's going now with a degree in his back pocket, and he's going. He's going to a good job, and he's you know. But in the old days, when they went and they worked on the buildings and they worked at uh, jobs like wherever they could get a job 
And I'd say some of them are very lonely, some of them being away from home, but the GAA and the Irish centres all around the world was a great uh, meeting place, kept them together, and uh, championships on the, the halls were always filled and Irish pubs all over the world, and the championship brought them all together, as as did Christmas and Silent Night. But uh, I always say, Aidan, as we always say, we, we think of the immigrants, and we think of the Rossies all over the world who'll be tuned into Hyde Park on Sunday and whatever commentary they're listening to, I hope they have a great day and I hope they enjoy it and I hope we all enjoy it. And uh, it'll be a great it'll be a great Sunday for Sligo and Roscommon. The sun will be shining and uh, we'll have a great day, all of us, and we're looking forward to it, Aidan. No problem. Thanks very much uh, for uh, your memories there and your, your thoughts on that. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks very much. All is good to talk to you. Enjoy the weekend yourself, Aidan, and thanks a million. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Paddy Joe, Roscommon's number one fan, giving his thoughts on uh, the GA. Hello everyone, how are you doing? You're very welcome to this week's Harding What's the Score with myself, Aidan Raftery, and of course, as always, fra- former senior Limerick Harler, Andrew O'Shaughnessy. Hello Andrew, how are you? Are you well? Hi Aidan, I'm good, thanks for that. Not too bad, no, not too bad. Great to have you on board once again. And uh, some interesting uh, results and uh, from last weekend, and uh, some interesting uh, resu- some interesting fixtures to go through for, for next week as well. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose in the Joe McDonough Cup final, uh, a great match was had there in, in Crow Park. Carlo 229 to Offaly's 131. I suppose a lot of people would have kind of given given Offaly the edge there, but Carlo were a good side, and you, you, they thoroughly deserved their win. Yeah, they would have given off the edge. I know Carroll beat them the week beforehand as well, but that was kind of actually put out a kind of half dummy team. And I think they were kind of lining up a few of their players to match their marquee players and just get a bit of feeling for it and running on them for a few minutes. But then, then they fully expected off then to win last week. But the game itself was just an epic, really. It was end to end, it was in Carroll went up, off he came back, and then even at the very at the day to the last the game, off he had a chance from 50 yards to go. No one, no one on, no one be marked. She was really going over that, though. He should be in the draw, but it's fantastic result, Carol. They're really making strides, and it's all very good making strides. And you don't get when you get to find you don't win it. Your year counts for nothing, so it's fantastic for Carol. It's a fantastic achievement. That's it, and uh, it means uh, Leicester hurling then for for um, Carlo for next season. So that's uh, that's a huge thing for Carlo, and of course, Offaly are still in the championship. I suppose they've a, they've a quarter they've a quarter final spot against uh, against Tipperary that's coming up, and of course they they must have final next week, which we'll which we'll be touching on as well. And uh, moving on to the Leicester Senior Hurling Championship uh, that was uh, last uh, last Sunday, or the Leicester Senior Hurling Championship last Sunday, uh, Westmead one nineteen to Antrim's to four twenty. A high-scoring game. I suppose a lot of the games have been all, all summer, haven't they, so far? Yeah, they've been free-scoring, to be honest with you. Oh, no, on. You, need to, you, you might need to roll back the days when you see teams actually being able to defend as well, because the, score, the scoring is phenomenal, but at the same time, defending is an after well, so maybe some teams might need to get back in, into that trend. Uh, great win, fantastic win. Uh, they're getting along that. Oh, so I was saying before the match, I said, well, Westmead needed a great win against Wexford. Week before, I was expecting Anton to come down and get us up there, and they, they truly did. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of sad to see uh, Westmead uh, going back down, going back down. Uh, you, you know, because they they did put in a, a good effort and they, they gave it their best in the Leinster Championship, and uh, you know they've been there for the last couple of years. But I suppose that's that's the way that's the way it goes. And uh, moving on to the next uh, result, then uh, Dublin uh, two twenty two to Galway's one twenty five. Dublin were a good bit ahead there, you know. As as we've said in previous uh, previous discussions, um, Dublin, Dublin have tightened up really under under Michal Dunhu, and uh, you know that 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 was shown in this game. But uh, then it kind of collapsed. Then Galway made a made, made a great comeback, and it was a draw, two twenty two to one twenty five. Yeah, the, in the end, Dublin were lucky to get the, the result. Uh, I think they got the equalising score, but for the majority of that match, definitely the first half and. A good third or second half, they were well on top, well ahead, and little little things changed matches. So working the ball out, they tried to work the ball out extremely well, and they were doing it successfully. But they nearly overworked a few. I, I remember one stage, ball came goalkeeper uh, pulled back, pulled back the half back, put the half back, dropped over the side, and Galway turned it over from the side and got a score. Like, things like that. Like, all they're good to keep coming back, and Galway will come back at you. Don't get some of that. But you have to make them come back at you. You have to make them under score. Copping up against easy scores, I say four to five, maybe goals and. Like they caught up a lot of soft scores as opposed to Galway coming back into it. Uh, I said Dublin had them back into it for a certain extent. But again, the draw was fair enough to go as well, and Dublin they had enough to run through to all the championship. And uh, the final result in the Leinster Championship from last weekend Wexford 423 uh, to. Kenny's five eighteen, and I suppose it's a bit like the Premiership on the la- on the last day. Um, you, you know, they just about saved their high their their Leinster their Leinster Championship status for for next season uh, with, with that result. So um, yeah, it, uh, it was re- it seemed to be a very good. Um, you know, with Lee Chin playing very well as well. Yeah, I go have match with nine goals, and I think it's obviously uh, the goals that all those attacking and stuff. Uh, good, great result for Wexford. They needed that to stay up. It's a fantastic result. They shouldn't have put themselves in that position in the first place. But when they were in the position, at least they walked out without it. Um, Kenny will just point to a certain extent, but again, it's not pretty Kenny because they're already qualified for the final. Uh, it might be no harm to get a lot in the bed when it doesn't really matter for Kenny. So at least can walk in that. They look to see how they need to walk out and was shown against Wexford and it'll make them all the song for, for Wexford. Then they're back to John Bolt the next year, so their year is over and so because it was in May and now summer months that they're not like the says in Cork not holding for the summer so that shouldn't happen in a county like Wexford or indeed shouldn't happen in a county like Cork so they're not so much searching for a while they won't be happy with the length of championship obviously enough they have to get back to drawing board and develop a plan that works for them and you know it's a, a long summer leading into the winter for them that's it. Moving on to the Munster Championship as well, uh, with no less a drama. Uh, Tipperary, t- Tipperary lose out to, to Waterford on a score of uh, 21 points to 124. A very good and fantastic performance by by Waterford. But I suppose really, you know, and it's not an excuse territory. Uh, you know, they were they were without um, they were without Carl uh, Barrett and a few other players. Um, you know, and I think the the injuries list is, is racking up as well from 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 what I hear. So. Uh, it's. Um, I know that the game isn't for another couple of weeks against Offaly, but uh, these are kind of things you you don't need to happen in the championship. Is at this stage of the championship. That's exactly. It. And I know what we're saying. Preview last week, I said I wouldn't be surprised. Everyone saying Tipperary going to win that because Water had won a match. I said there has to be a performance in Water. Mm. Um, they were unlucky against Limerick. They were unlucky a few matches, and then 
it just it just wasn't kicking for him. But I said that he's a performance. No doubt, Davy get a performance. And players themselves they have to put in a performance. And I said, don't be surprised if Waterford beat Tip. So again, when I saw the result, I wasn't surprised. Um, Tip really did be disappointed now because it's all been good saying, right, we're still in, cha- we're still in championship and we can refocus. Similarly, like Kenny Lugan, it might be a wake up call. It's not, not, it wasn't a knockout game for either team. So they can say we can re- refocus. But still, Tip very lost to a team that had won a match in this year's championship and they lost a few key players. So that, that might affect them a lot more. And like, even if. Cork drew with Limerick Tipperary is gone like, so Tipperary being considered all Ireland contenders and they let themselves by a hair's breast from being out of the championship and if you're going so well throughout the league and into the championship that shouldn't be the case but it wasn't they were extremely lucky um, being Canada and Michael Bevins be happy enough because they still get a chance to get a chance to walk at them and maybe the match gets off is a nice way to get back with the amount of injuries they have amount them and unfortunately they keep getting a lot of injuries but they're, they're actually quick fixed the injuries are fairly long term three or four weeks and we were championship in three or four weeks and obviously it's proven past with their history like they're, they're not a team you say lately no matter how good or bad they're going there's always performance in the team like Oxley so that'll be an interesting match against the Prairie for certain that's it because I was saying to a friend of mine there that we were talking we were talking Harlan uh, yesterday and I was kind of saying that you, you know that that game for Tipperary against Offaly if they were to play any other team uh, if they were to play any team you know with the situation that they're in I suppose look Offaly are, are, are a good, kind of a good side as well they're getting back to what they were when they were in the championship the last in the last championship the last time but uh, I suppose when you think of the other team that they could have been playing um, you know this isn't as bad a situation and hopefully maybe you could, some of those injured players might be back but uh, yeah it's, it's, it makes it makes it for interesting times I suppose for Tipperary and uh, you never know what could happen so moving on to the other uh, the other game in uh, in Munster and that's uh, Limerick at home to Cork and uh, they bet Cork 3.25 to 1.30 that's Cork out of the championship now for this year but they can hold their head up high because they had a good uh, they had a good league campaign and they had a very good uh, championship campaign yeah, uh, un- unlucky you know, on the last day like you know because they played some very good hurling on the, uh, last Sunday yeah the big surprise from that match was to, to let you in to watch us all the way out to watch to watch us yeah <laughs> uh, no like I've been saying since that like Cork are extremely unlucky and people said well you can be unlucky but it comes down to the fact they drew the last two so and the one one so you're not unlucky if you only win one and you draw one and you lose two that's in your own fate but they, they were hurting extremely well I think if that match against Limerick went down another three to four minutes like Limerick would have been a draw possibly a loss for Limerick so Cork are hurling a great game and then afterwards I was just thinking the other week was from a Limerick perspective which is before Cork to be out or to break out and it, it's hard like it's hard to know but judging off the performance of the big game Cork was before and they've shown that they've been developing throughout the year and I, I imagine during the championship for longer they'd be a real contender so I'm slightly glad that I'm a disappointed they're going to the championship in Cork and I'm glad from a selfish point of view yeah, that's it, and uh, it's going to be you know it's it's uh, still still plenty of hurling to be played, but uh, yeah. So moving on to uh, the, um, the this weekend and on Sunday, there's a number of games to be played, or Saturday, sorry, I should say. We're play there's uh, the Larry Ma- the Christy Ring Cup final uh, between Derry and uh, me. That throws in at uh, that throws in at five at five o'clock. Yep, uh, so me has been more or less a farm team in this division for the year. There. They're hurting quite well, I know, because my brother-in-law's involved in some here. The, the dedication and the commitment they're putting in, they're, they're going very well. So, it's, again, it's a knockout. It's a final. So, 
form goes out the window, so you can have all the form going in, but if you're down to the middle of the hurling, so if you're in the final, you're sick no matter what team you are, you're going to find your same time. So again, if I call it, I'll go me, but it will be close. Not out because it is fine. That's it. It's ironic when you when you think that the the, the mead hurlers are doing better than their football counterparts, but <laughs> you know they they mead are hurling very well, and like you just said there. And in the Nicky Nicky Racker Cup, do they all take on uh, Wicklow? They're at home to Wicklow at uh, three o'clock. Yeah. So again, the key issues as you just said there. The thing I find is when you sit there at home, like so. At home, normally it's fine, but when you're travelling from Wicklow, Wicklow's rolling up to the best times, and then you're travelling all the way to Donegal. A nice journey for that. We could have offered up in 24 or the day before and, and get a bit of recuperation there, so not up in one day. But uh, it, I'm going for Donegal and so the fact that it's a home venue and they'll be playing in the, Dunning, the hurling part of Donegal and they've all the supporters, everything there will be geared towards Donegal. I, I, I can't see any other winner that much. And uh, finally, in the, in the Larry Maher Cup, Monaghan are at home to Lancashire at uh, 1 o'clock. Again, that's it. The home, the home venue. So, it's kind of, I said we close the more enough traveling over from Lancashire. A different story. So, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm half tempted to go for Monaghan this fixture, but the fact that Lancashire traveling over and they have a lot of euphoria uh, playing with them and they relish the issue, uh, the chance to be home and show the where they have all the family and friends support them and the from one county from another county from all with the Latin Warwickshire makeup. So, on that basis, I go on for. That's it. I'm moving on to Sunday then, and it's the O'Neill's.com GA Hurling All Ireland Under 20 Championship, and it's Cork versus Offaly. Now, Offaly, I, I watched the um, when they played uh, Wexford in the Leinster final, and they've won, and I think they've won or two lads playing uh, senior for Offaly as well, so that would be a huge boost. But this is a, a very good or a very good Cork team as well. Yeah, so. I would come across this Cork team when they were minors as by Limerick we would eat them uh, but they were a crack minor team they had been well talked up they had a lot of horrors they just they, they just didn't fire that day against us but you can just see in the three years since the, how they've progressed and they're a formidable team they're very physical they have great side but in Connor they're great side they can over the rest uh, I think they're clear favourites of this but on the other side then you have Offaly his team they were robbed of a minor last year. Well, robbed. It's very important against the way you can see the way you can see the last game, last second of the match. But they covered. They come back, and you saw through the performance this year that they're absolutely flying. As they, they seem to try being adversary, adversary in the middle of the game. So when the game gets near the end and it's been close, this team find somewhere to get the win. And also, great testament goes to the O'Connor manager then, and he's definitely instilled in them. So tough one to call. Offly won't fear Cork, of course, they, don't, they haven't really met them before. Cork never fear anyone, so it's a, a tough one to call. Um, I'll stick with my Munster boys and I'll go for Cork. No problem. And in the minor championship, then they have uh, in the minor All Ireland uh, championship, then it's clear clear kickoff against um, against Galway. That's uh, that's at one o'clock. That's going to be a great clash as well. Traditionally, uh, Galway. Provinces, but they they border each other. They know they know each other. Uh, as you said, they took the words out of him. Galway always has great minors and under twenty one teams or under twenty teams. They they have just a compare bit of talent coming through. Whereas like the players, where they don't have to compare bit as frequent as Galway when they do come through. When they have a group, they're support an excellent group. And this is exactly what the team are. Um, again, I go on monster, so I, I think they're even this 
that's it and there's some some there's some great games there to look forward to for everyone uh, of course it, it's mainly a, I suppose it's mainly a football weekend but uh, some interesting hurling games there so listen thanks very much Andrew for taking the time out to do hurling what's the score with us and we look forward to looking back on those games next week and of course uh, looking looking forward to uh, a good minor final or uh, a good uh, monster final there between uh, Limerick and Clare Will- that was a yeah. exciting last year for that was a lifetime game. It would be something be interesting. There's something definitely that we won't expect, and it would be it'd be closer. And like, could we get closer than last year? But it would hopefully be just as intense and exciting. That's it. And we'll talk about that more in depth next week. So thanks very much for taking the time out to do hurling. What's the score? And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Ben. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was Andrew Shocknessy, former Limerick senior hurler. Hello everyone and you're very welcome back to Friday Sport with myself Aidan Raftery and the show is always kindly sponsored by uh, by Best Drive here in Roscommon Town. We'd like to thank them for their kind sponsorship and uh, yeah another weekend now uh, after the the, the uh, victory against Dublin a great a great uh, result I suppose some people could say uh, unlucky not to win it uh, but uh, we'll take a draw anyway and we're going to be looking ahead to uh, the Sligo game in Dr High Park on Sunday at 3pm and to get his thoughts we have uh, former Roscommon goalkeeper Ray Lannan. Hello, Ray. How are you? Are you well? Good, Aidan. Thanks very much. Not too bad. Now, great to have you on board as always. Yeah, as I was yeah. just saying there in the in the intro, uh, a great result for Roscommon. Could have been a win, but then, like like I said there, the uh, the goal was kind of the undoing of us, and uh, you know it was an unlucky goal to give away. And then, of course, you know that the free as well. Um, you know, another referee mightn't have given it at all. But uh, a draw, a draw was a great result, and uh, especially against the Dubs. But we said it like here, here last Sunday or last Friday as well. This is the first time this season that Roscommon that uh, Dublin came up against a, a Division One team, and Roscommon certainly stood toe to toe with them on on Sunday, which was great to see in Crow Park. Yeah, Aidan, and uh, like at the end of the day, it's a great result uh, for us, Common. And um, I think, I think, uh, I think that it's the right result to draw because if we won that game, the hype machine—can you imagine the hype machine about us, Common? If they'd beaten Dublin last Sunday, like it would just gone overload. And I think it's a good measure of success last week. A draw was a good result. I think it was a fair result on the day, Aidan. I think, I think, I think it was a boxing match. It'd be a, it'd be a draw. You know what I mean as well. I think both teams put in a good performance it's gone more excellent you know to take Dublin to a draw in Crow Park but the expectation was there to win it that's what David Burke said after the game he was disappointed not to win it and rightly so because that's where Roscommon are thinking now that's where Roscommon's mindset is at and the performances are there to match that mindset in that's it and uh, you know um, I think you know everyone I know um, you know McKee McKeown played very well uh, Kieran Murta got man of the match got player of the week as well uh, quite deservedly he, he was great but to, to be fair everyone played their part from 1 to 15 and the players that came on it was really a great effort and uh, you know we, we, we'd be expecting more from them this Sunday against uh, against Sligo as well yeah the expectations there Scotland Division 1 team against Division 4 team Aiden, but like you see Sligo are a developing team as well they're improving all the time they've, won not, they've, 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 uh, they've been unbeaten in 9 of the last 10 matches which is an incredible statistic like they drew with Sligo the last, or Kildare and they lost to Galway but they give Galway a good game you know they, they didn't capitulate they didn't collapse they, yeah. they kept, their, they kept their, t- their structure intact they were just beaten by superior opposition and Galway could have won by a lot more had they not uh, decided to take off the best players and, and take the foot off the gas a bit and you have to respect Galway for that as well like they didn't want to do an annihilation job on it where Scotland have to do like Galway play a very good first half be very professional to treat this game as like they're playing Dublin again Aidan that's the way yeah. you have to do it you have to have that mentality and mindset because if you don't have it 
and next thing you let the hundred out into the game. It's very hard to get back into games, and Roscommon know from our history, no matter how good we are, Aidan, Sligo have always been able to upset us. I'm not saying it's going to happen Sunday. I don't think it's going to happen on Sunday. But Sligo, if you look at the stats going back the last 40 years, going back to as you won, I think about 10 championship matches, I think it's 5-5. Five, five. You know, Sligo won five, we've won five. Obviously, they've won most of them in Markham's Park. They've won one in Roscommon in 2007. We beat them last year, Aidan, easily. Down in Sligo. But Sligo are a far better team than they were last year. And uh, that Kildare game will give them a lot of confidence as well and boost. They're a team that's on the way up. You know, they're on the way up the stairs, if you like. You know, some teams are down, coming down the stairs, like Dublin. But Sligo are a team on the way up. And they won't... Uh, I don't, can't see them beating Roscommon Sunday, but I can see them giving Roscommon uh, a good game for the first half. And Roscommon will have to be very professional, workmanlike and disciplined. And play the way with the intensity, tempo and um, pressure that they played against Dublin, Aidan, and I think we'll have no problem, but it's all about getting the, the, the attitude right, and I'm sure David Burke, Mark McHugh, Jerry McGowan, and Eddie Lowe, and they'll have the team prime, because this team, Aidan, we, our team, the common team now this year, they've been consistent all along mm. the line, which is a great sign of a team, consistency of effort, unity of purpose, a determination, courage, battling qualities, uh, resoluteness, not falling under pressure, like they could have done against Dublin last week with the goal and a couple of points within, they can they bounce back into the game. So next Sunday is a banana skin, but at the same time, Roscommon should well beat Sligo. Should we bring our A game to it? But uh, yeah, let's hope the team. Will, I know the team will have Aiden, the, the right uh, preparation mentality going in there, and uh, uh, the performance will hopefully be good to get us a comfortable victory. But at the same time, we can it can never be complacent Aiden, in any of these games. Never until they show that against Sligo the other day, Sligo Division four teams like their division two teams you wouldn't have thought it by looking at them but I think Roscommon are different the defensive structure we have Aidan is as good as there is in the game at the minute and like yeah. signs on it that's that five or six minute spell there after half time where we got that great point that's one of that'll be talked about in 30-40 years time that was one of the greatest spells of possession play ever in Crow Park that Roscommon displayed and, and what about that for a score by Kieran Murta just, just before half time it was so it was absolutely brilliant to see Aidan yeah. and uh, He's given everybody in Roscommon a massive lift, this team, and uh, looking forward to Sunday again. That's it, and I suppose, really, you know, when you, when you look at Roscommon, the, another huge thing about it this year compared to last year, when when Roscommon get ahead, I don't think they, once they, in any of the games this year, once they went ahead, they never actually lost the lead. And, uh, you know, and that's the good thing, that they actually saw out the game, whereas... Like the example, like we keep we keep referring to, like last year against uh, Clare in uh, Clare and Crow Park, five five or six points up with a couple of minutes to go, and still lost the game. I mean, they've this, they really have shored that up, and uh, you know, it, be it against Sligo, be it against Dublin, it's essential, as you say, you you, you go out, you you go through the game in a business like manner, regardless of who you're playing. You know, if you end up winning it by twenty points, that's what you do. You just you don't take your foot off the gas until until the final until the final whistle goes. Absolutely, and Roscommon has to bring an intensity in and a tempo to the game that Sligo haven't been used to so far. You know, they're playing Division Four. Um, they've been really good. Like they've been they've won Division Four league. They're a good side. They're a common team, but they don't have that development that Roscommon has. They don't have the exposure to the intensity, the tempo, the speed of the game that Roscommon have been operating at for the last uh, whatever three or four months of all those games for Division 1 and in the Championship so you would expect Roscommon to go out high tempo fast moving ball uh, working the ball through the lines at speed at pace execution very very good and, and get the ball up uh, into the into the scoring zone 
to, 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 to take her chances in. And you would expect for Scarman to have that extra gear that Sligo just don't have at the moment that Galway showed as well. So you'd be hoping that for Scarman can do the same sort of performance in the first half as Galway did in the kind of final in, in Castlebar. But that's all down to the team and, and uh, the mindset. And I've no doubt that Roscommon will be treating this game like they were playing Kerry and that's the way to treat it Aidan and I think yeah, yeah. that's it and yeah. I suppose really you, you know I suppose for for a lot of a lot of the games this year uh, for Roscommon more so in the championship than the league you know it was the the midfield and the kickouts um, were, were key to were key to win and I mean you know you look at Conor Carroll we, you know we've said it loads of times he really has nailed the, you know all his kickouts are are very good but also in midfield where you know we are good we we mightn't have the, the the most fantastic midfield in the country but we certainly have a serious a serious midfield at the same time I think we're as good as anybody in yeah showed it last Sunday James McCarthy and uh, Brian Fenton like I said it before the game that if we can nullify those players and crowd the midfield and stop them their influence and Roscommon did that Aidan like Eddie, Eddie you know Nolan came in had a great game you know Keith Doyle came on Dylan Rowan worked hard as well in the Smith all the, like as I said last week Aidan positions are really irrelevant now in the game the way yeah. it's gone to a large extent because you have 14 men funneling back when we're defending and you have, tur- you have as many as possible attacking on the break yeah. when, you, when, you, when you turn the ball over or where you're on the attack because it's so laboured and, and predictable when, when both teams are sort of like shadow boxing and we have the ball in our own half throwing the ball around but that's it's all about waiting and probing and trying to break the line and find a breach breach the Dublin defence find the space to play the ball into and that's where turnovers now the game of Gaelic football has gone all like turnovers Eden. Yeah. it's like maybe you know once the ball is turned over you, 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 you are on you, you are at, oh, at massive risk of conceding a goal like we did last Sunday unfortunately that's what happened but we did it as well we turned over and we, we once or twice we weren't able to capitalise once we did a great uh, turnover and we just uh, had a little bit um, of if you like the ball was kicked forward too fast and uh, Dublin retrieved the possession but that's the way the games are now you get punished if you get turned over when you're on the attack with 13 or 14 players that's the way the game is it's not it's not the Gaelic football that we grew up watching yeah or playing it's exciting, <laughs> it's exciting. and that's yeah. the way the game has gone but I'm just saying Aiden, about next Sunday like all the top teams any team well prepared Aiden, and like Roscommon are it doesn't matter who the opposition are, what the standard are, what the colour of the jerseys are, the name of the team is, or even the venue of the game. You yeah. bring your A game. It's like the it's like the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra. If they're playing in the Carnegie Hall in New York, or they're playing in a small little whatever uh, hall down here in Ruski, they'll play the same performance no matter what venue they're in, who the audience are, who's going to show up, or what people write about them before the before the performance. That's the same with the top football teams, Aidan. They don't they, they get their get into their heads. We have to perform to the standards that we've been driving all season. Yeah. We've been we've been playing at a standard, a tempo, an intensity, skill execution standard, and interplay and combination play that we have set for ourselves. We've we've been doing in training. We've been implementing in matches, and that that's also psychological as well. Like you know, I would say, football is technical, tactical, physical, and psychological. And psychological is probably number one. If you listen to Johan yeah. Cruyff and Pat, Pat Guardiola and these guys, they'll tell you. You see all the quotes and all that. If you read about them, when, oh, I know we all read about these guys. They all talk mentality, mentality, club mentality. That's what governs a lot of performances, and it can govern success and failure. But Roscommon have that. Uh, they've got really got a great mindset now, which is brilliant. And I don't think it really matters to Davy Burke and his management who we're playing, what the name of the team is, what the colour of the jerseys are, and where the venue is, because we've our own structure, our own tactics, 
our own belief and our own playing style Aidan they can match anybody and I think that's the approach that Roscommon are bringing in this season and it's absolutely fantastic and it's great to see and uh, Roscommon fans Aidan everybody's buoyant the flags are flying as as as, uh, as um, Paddy Joe would say the tar melting ice cream melting you know what I mean <laughs> that's it that's uh, the main thing flags flying so it's great it's absolutely yeah. brilliant and we, like the fella says I really believe Aidan this team anything's on for this team anything's possible for this Roscommon team now because there's such an equilibrium of standard between the top teams this year probably the first time I'd say in 40 years not since Kerry were knocked out in 83 I think mm. but there's such an equal equal status if you like championship as this year between 7 or 8 6 or 7 teams Tyrone Armagh you could maybe throw Monaghan in there Dublin Kerry Mayo Galway Roscommon yeah, any that's of those it. teams any of those teams Aiden, can beat each other on any given Sunday as, as, as the, the old film says and, yeah. uh, as, as Al Pacino says that film football's a game of it isn't it like you know and a lot of these inches you know does it go over the bar under the bar arrive at the right time arrive a second too late it's about getting there at the right time executing and being clinical with our chances that's one if there's one little criticism I'd say about our team Aiden, is that we could be a little bit more clinical in our finishing from time mm. to time there are times we have let teams off the hook and if you look at the top games now it'll boil down to goals you need you, it's very rare that you beat a top opposition without scoring goals yeah. and we have it within our armoury to do that and uh, we have been scoring goals all season but it's about executing you'll need a goal or two in to beat any of the top teams because that's what knocks the stuffing out of the top teams those two goals against Mio knocked the stuffing out of them and mm. then our brilliant defence uh, you know we shut up shot batting down the hatches Mayo totally frustrated. They went down to Kerry. They went toe to toe with Kerry. They threw the Mayo down to the ground because they only got the freedom in the attack. And they could have scored a hat full of goals down to Mayo. But the Scotland mm. have a great defensive structure in. For me, that's the greatest feature of the Scotland team this year is the settled defensive structure, which is like ironclad. And it takes a very good team to break it down. You know, Galway got a very lucky goal against us. Dublin got a lucky goal against us as well. Yeah. So, uh, but, but for us, we need to be that little bit more clinical. The great teams in they don't let teams off the hook when they're in the scoring zone in for an opportunity it's in the back of the net or over the bar and that's one little slight thing that we're still working on in Roscommon the team in my view from watching but the team in they're absolutely you know we, we have to give great credit and yeah. uh, we, everyone has great belief and we're looking forward to the next match no doubt about it that's it and uh, we'd like to we'd well, like to wish them all the best and uh, so listen Ray thanks very much enjoy the weekend and enjoy the sunshine and plenty of yeah. plenty of ice cream and all that will be had I'm sure over the weekend in, oh. in your house <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah all the best yeah. ok really thanks very much and that was Ray Lannan the former Scotland goalkeeper uh, giving his thoughts on the games last Sunday and this Sunday so uh, thanks very much for we've come to the end of the show thanks very much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed everything that we had if you're going to the game on Sunday in the Hyde I hope you have a, a great time and uh, indeed if you're going to any sporting events enjoy yourselves and uh, until next weekend until next Friday talk to you then <laughs>